ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is a Friday, October 27th edition of the show. I'm Stephen Igo. As you can tell, voice still not anywhere near 100%, but we are fighting through on this Friday. ECU and UTSA coming up Saturday at 3.30 Eastern Time, 2.30 Central Time, live from San Antonio, the 1-6 Pirates against the 4-3 and three Roadrunners. We had an in-depth discussion on Thursday's show with Joe Sampson. Also with uh, Philip Pilkington, we did our weekly picks on Thursday instead of Friday this week because you have some family stuff to take care of today. So we got that done yesterday. So go back and listen. We made our final picks, previews, etc. for ECU and UTSA. Again, that'll be a 3.30 kickoff ESPN+. Plus. We may touch on that a little bit more today in today's program. Uh, we are live on YouTube. As always, we are live on Facebook as well. And we are live on Twitter. So if you got a question, a comment, a concern, drop it there over the next hour and we'll get to it throughout the show. All right. So what we're doing today is, again, we might talk football, but we are going to focus a lot on East Carolina basketball today. We are just, I believe, nine days away, maybe 10 days away from tip-off inside Minji's Coliseum and uh, the Pirates will host Ferrum College on Monday, November 6th. And to do this preseason roundtable discussion, we're going to welcome in Kaysen Romele. He is our Hoist the Colors basketball insider. He's back in the 94.3 The Game studio. Kaysen, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. We are uh, officially 10 days away from basketball season, and I'm counting down the are. days. You can count a lot better than me. I'm uh, not, not, not great at math. I'm also just trying to figure out how to talk enough to get through this show. Uh, and uh, so appreciate you being on board. <clears throat> You're safe in the studio. I'm not going to give you the bug I have. Uh, Philip Pilkington, he is producing in the studio as well. Philip, welcome back. Thanks for doing all that you do once again. Well, I appreciate it, Igo, and thanks for having me on. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking some basketball because I think as Pirate fans and as Panther fans and as Bronco fans, we're all ready for basketball season, unfortunately, maybe a little earlier than we should be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, which uh, I do like the uh, the combination Kaysen's got going on. He's got the no-quarter hat, the throwback logo hat for ECU, and the Panthers pullover. And both of you guys will be in attendance at Bank of America on Sunday, right? Are y'all that desperate for some uh, for some football? Okay, no, we're not that desperate. It's just um, it's just C.J. Stroud, Bryce Bryce Young going at it. Two two future Hall of Famers going at it on Sunday. So just want to just want to see him at their first meeting. Hey, first meeting will enough, not be their see- first meeting. I found out they actually met in seventh grade is when they played against each other for the first time. But I agree with you, Kaysen, first NFL meeting. And also, we got Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers going in the ring of honor exactly. I mean, at the halftime. This exactly. is be the one halftime show. Truthfully, if you leave your seat, you're not a true fan. Exactly. If you missed our Thursday show, our, my and Philip Pilkington's Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the week was Panthers over Texans. 
And uh, I kind of I'm scared that both of us picked it, but it does feel like the Panthers off a of bye. This is when it happens, so we'll see. Hopefully for you guys, y'all get a win on Sunday and uh, you know make up for some of the losses to this point. All right, fellas, let's get into this ECU basketball discussion again. This is all men's basketball today. We might do some women's picks next week at some point as well, but this is all men's basketball for our season roundtable. Mike Schwartz heading into year two. Casey Romaley, he's been on the show a lot in the last few weeks. We've talked a lot about expectations, that sort of stuff. Uh, our first category is going to be the over and under. We're going to have a pick segment, and then we're going to have kind of a yes-no answer segment as well. This is our over-under category. ECU had 16 wins last year. I'm setting the over-under for wins this year at 19 and a half. Now, Kaysen and I have already done our preseason picks. We'll see if, uh, for the whole schedule, we'll see if anything changes. Over-under 19 and a half wins. Kaysen, I think ECU's only had two or three 20-win seasons in school history. So if you get 20 wins, that's a significant achievement. Do you think the Pirates can get 20 wins this year? I think 19 and a half is a great line. And then when you look at the schedule, I mean, the first part of your schedule, the non-commerce, you should get half of those. You should first sure get half of those. Me and you both have them coming out at around 11 and 3. Me and you both said their ceiling, their ceiling is around 11 and like maybe one loss at most four losses. But I mean, you should at least get nine of them in the non-conference. And then, and then the conference again, I think is a little deeper than it has been in past years, but I also think the bottom of the conference is really, really bad. So you should be able to pick up four or five at the bottom. So you going over? Yes, I am going over. Philip, what do you think here? Yeah, I, I agree with Kaysen that it's a really good line because I think that's about where it should be. Um, a lot of this is going to come down to that non-conference play. And, you know, if you can – there's a few tough games here. You talk about playing a pretty much road game at Florida. You talk about the game at George Mason early in the season. Obviously, you got South Carolina. So, it's going to be an interesting non-conference. And uh, I think conference play is just going to be a bloodbath. If you go 500 in the conference, you did a good job. Um, but I'm going to agree with Cason uh, on this one. I'm picking 20, 21 wins, somewhere in that. I, I definitely think ECU is the surprise team in the conference this year. I know they're picked to finish fifth, but you know how it is. There's always one team that, you know, maybe there's probably plenty of people are saying, yeah, they're picked to finish fifth, but that's overrated. I disagree with those people. I agree with the people that picked us, us to finish right around that spot. So I'm going to go over 20 wins. I'm going over 20 as well. I am I'm nervous that we all think ECU will have more than 20 wins. I think a lot of it will come down to health and, uh, you know, luck. But, you know, last year winning 16, and to me this year's schedule is easier especially non-conference-wise, you play 20 home games. You have to take advantage of that. I think that's got to be the most in ECU history. Returning team, it just feels like they should have more than 20 wins if they play to their potential. So I am going above 20 wins as well, so we are all on the over there. All right, AAC wins. The most ECU has ever won in the American guys is six games in the regular season. I said the over-under at nine and a half. I think they play 18 games, so nine and nine would get would be 500. That would be under. So essentially, nine and a half. Do you feel like the Pirates can go over 500 in conference play? That is the key here. 
And uh, we'll start with Philip this time. Do you feel like the Pirates hit over nine and a half for American Conference wins? Well, I'm gonna. This might be previewing another pick, but I'm gonna. F- pick them to finish top half in the conference. I know the team who finished in the middle doesn't always go exactly 500, but you kind of when you're doing a preseason pool like this, you kind of got to use that logic. So I am going to go over nine conference wins uh, or nine and a half, excuse me, conference wins, and I think that's one of the big reasons they do get to that over 20 on the season. I am going to go Jason. right at 10. When we went through our picks, we both had them at 10 and 8. And I think that then again, like I said, I think their records are product of their of their schedule, and I think towards the latter part it is a little favorable at the end. And I think that going into the last game, when we're playing versus Charlotte at Charlotte, no, I think it's at home at Charlotte. One, it's it's at home. It's yeah, at the, home versus the, Charlotte. Uh, I think that game yeah, in Charlotte's like early. February. Yeah, I think that'll be the uh, needle mover to uh, ten wins. All right, I'm going over as well. American Athletic Conference wins. I'm going 10 and 8. I just feel like with some of the top teams leaving and some of the e- – to me, you'll have easier road games now, and we're about to talk about how many games we think ECU will win on the road. But I think you have a more manageable conference schedule, and I'm going 10 and 8 and over. All right, road wins. I'm setting the line at 3.5. I was looking through the schedule, guys, for past years. I mean, there are so many years with zero, one, and two road wins. It's honestly disgusting. So Florida is a neutral game, so I'm saying that doesn't count. It's going to be a tough game to win regardless. ECU has not won three true road games since 2013-14. This season they only have ten true road games. So that factors in as well. I'm setting the line at three and a half. Uh, I believe – I am going over with four. I don't feel great about it. Four and six is a respectable road record given ECU's history, but I think it's doable. I'm going over. Kaysen, what do you think? Well, let's see. You got at yeah at George Mason. That's one for me. Yeah, at Temple. That's that's two for me. At Charlotte. At UTSA. That's four. And then so I'm gonna go over. That's about it. I'm gonna go over, but I do think I do think we can sneak one. Mm, I mean, just the just the staying in Texas for a week does not help that line because you go to North Hex, to North Texas, then a couple of days later to SMU. I I hope we win one of those games. I think we can win one of those games. So I'm gonna go over and put it at five. We win one of those North Texas or SMU games. Five and five on the road. The Greenville will be burning down. Uh, for ECU basketball to do that. Philip, what do you think? I think that defense travels. This was a team who already prided themselves on defense a year ago. The addition of Mark Adams helps that, and uh, that's going to have them have a very successful road season this year. Give me the over. We're high on the Pirates, baby. Pirate basketball. All right, team points per game. So 68.8 last year was the total. I'm setting the line at 69.3. This is kind of a random number, but – uh, over under no, 69.3. It's not. It's not. Don't lie. Don't lie. You know why you went with that number. <laughs> hey, just trying to bring the viewers in. Um, I think, look, when I go, when I went back and looked at ECU's basketball history, I don't think they've averaged more than 68 or more than 69 points per game like over the last 12, 13 years. So may, even I think the CIT run, they didn't even average this many or maybe close to it. So, 
They were actually decent at scoring the ball last year. They just shot really badly. Do we think they can make the jump to 69.3 and go over that number this year, Kaysen? No, I, I, I do not think so because, I mean, as blunt and as harsh as it sounds, they didn't add any scoring over the offseason. They didn't add any scoring. They just added defense, and they just got better with them. They didn't go out and get a sharpshooter, even though when you ask them, they'll say Ben Baelo has been shooting the lights out. Quentin's been shooting the lights out. Yes, I understand that. But on paper, they did not go out and get a true scorer. I mean, they did, Cam Hayes, but we can't talk about Cam Hayes right now because no one knows what's going on with that. So um, I'm going to go under. I'm going to put – I'll put it if – they, if they can score around 65 a game – It'll be a, it'll be solid. So you think they might actually go way down? Yes, I think year. I think it'll take a hit. Personally, me. We'll see. I mean, if they do truly buy into the defensive philosophy, their numbers offensively could take a hit. I'm going under as well. I, I think they'll be around last year's number. If they can shoot the ball more consistently, they could be above last year's number. But you know, I got to see it to believe it, Philip. Yeah, for them to win as many games as I'm predicting them to win, I think in modern-day college basketball, they're probably going to have to score 70 a game. I get what Case is saying, but they didn't really add much scoring. But I think the uh, up on defense will lead to more offense. It's going to lead to more possessions. So uh, I'm going to take the over. All right, team points per game allowed. 67.5 is what I'm setting it at. They allowed 70.5 points per game last year, which for a defensive team really isn't good. So I think that number comes down this year. Experience, Mark Adams, second year in the system. It's just a matter of how much. So I have it down three points, 67 and a half. I'm going, uh, I'm going under in terms of they're going to keep that number even lower. But maybe that's an easy pick. But the number last year was so high. My question is how much can it improve year over year, Kaysen? I think it's going to be lower. And I think it'll get lower year by year. I think more years in Schwartz's system, all these players, they're going to get better. And I think in order for this team to win, I think this team has to play like those Virginia teams in the in the teens, like the from 2015 to about now, where if you play Virginia and if you score over 55 points a game, you're going to win the game. And I think that this team has to have that mentality, honestly. I mean, to me, that is the comparison for this season that I want them to build on because this team's not going to score. This team, as blunt as it is, this team can't score. So I think that in order to win games, they're going to have to hold teams defensively to under around 62, 63 points a game. And I think that if a team scores around 70, they might be in trouble. If a team scores around, around 60, 58, they have a good, they have a good chance of winning. Under 67.5, Philip, do you think they improved that much as well? Yeah, I do. I think this is a team that when you look at the majority of their games last year, they were already right around that spot. You just had those outlier crazy games. I don't think that we're facing as many, you know, with kind of the top half of the league leaving. You're not facing so many teams where you're going to let up 80. You know, I don't know how many exactly how many games they let up that last year, but there was a handful, and that's part of the reason that it brought it up to around seventy per game. And I think they've improved defensively. You're not going to have as many of those games, so I definitely think under. 
All right, player picks here, and then we'll get our break in. R.J. Felton points per game. He averaged 13.8 last year. 14.8 is the number I'm setting it at this year. That's one point increase. Now, here's the thing with R.J., guys. He shot 426 shots last year. The next closest was Brandon Johnson at 285. So he only shot 39% from the, free, from the field. He only shot 33% from three-point line. So he really wasn't efficient at all. But he took a ton of shots. Can he become more efficient? Because I don't think he's going to have that shot volume this year. And can he score more? That's the question. 14.8, a one-point increase is what I have it at, points per game. Let's start with Phillip. What do you think on RJ? Do you think he goes under or uh, over that number? I'm going to go over. I think he's got to go over if this team is, is going to win. We lost roughly 18 points per game last year if you look at uh, Javon leaving and then Luigi. And, you know, to Kaysen's point earlier, we didn't really add a lot of scoring. Uh, and I think he's going to have to continue to be the guy. I think he is going to lead the team in scoring. I know we're going to get to that in a second. And um, so I think especially with bringing in a guy like Bobby Pettiford who can really handle the ball well, it's going to make him not have to bring the ball up as much. And uh, I think he, he in- increases. So I'm going over. Just like uh, Phillips said, I think that with the addition of Bobby, when he's available, and Jaden at point guard, I think that RJ can just truly play shooting guard, or he can play the three, wherever, at the two or three spot, and I think he strictly should be a driving threat and a threat on the wing, and I think his point should increase. I'm I'm going to say he should average around 16 points a game for this team to succeed, so I'm going to go over. I think he's going to be right around 15 to 16, and it's just a matter of what is his shot volume this year compared to last year. I don't think he's ever going to be the most lights-out shooter. So I'm going to go over, but I don't think he'll be over by much. I'm going to go around 15. I think he gets over 14.8. Brandon Johnson points per game, 12.3 last year. I'm setting it at 13.5. I'm going to tell you all right now, I am going over. I think Brandon Johnson is going to have a monster year. I love everything I'm hearing about this guy, his work ethic, his approach. I'm going over. You know, he's not maybe a volume scorer necessarily, but I just think he's going to find a way to get into double digits every single night uh, as opposed to last year when he's a little inconsistent. Uh, we'll go Kaysen. I'm going to go over on him with points. I think it's an easy call, but I think the bigger question is how many touches is he going to get a game? I mean, if you look at his touches versus Ezra's touches, they both touch the ball in different parts of the floor. I mean, most, I would say 50% of Brandon's touches last year were at the top of the key off a pick and pop or on the wing. We rarely ever threw it down to him when he's on the low block. We threw it to him on the elbow a couple of times, but it's just a matter of where is he going to fit now with Ezra emerging as as he is? And I think with Ezra doing what he can in the paint, Brandon's going to have to spread out more. And I think we're going to see him on the wing and on that little pick and pop more than we did last year. And we saw it a ton last year. I mean, in the very first game last year, the I think the first couple possessions, it was just pick and pop, pick and pop to him. So I definitely think over for him. And But the big question I have is how many touches is he going to get a game with the emergence of Ezra? Phil? Yeah, that's the emergence of Ezra as well as bringing – is it Seer? 
Sear. Yeah. Yes. Sear Malonga. I think that's going to you know allow for more inside-out games, so I think that will help him in efficiency scoring, but I think his numbers go down a little bit. I think uh, Corey Faison plays a little bit over on the wing as well and uh, brings another wing scorer in. I mean, I know he's not as big of a scorer as what we need on the wing, but I definitely think he's going to kind of pick up some points, whereas we didn't have that as much last year or didn't have another wing guy last year as much. So, um I'm going I'm to go that he's going to go down a little bit, so I'm going the under. All right, last uh, player, first segment, long first segment. Ezra Asar, he la- averaged last year uh, 9.8 points per game. I'm setting the over-under at 12.5 points per game. For me, this all comes down to how much can Ezra add mid-range shooting. I think he's going to score in the low teens at least if he can shoot. He's going to avoid those nights where he has a bad matchup and can only score maybe four to six points. Can he make free throws? Those are the things with Ezra. Uh, I lean towards the over here as well, but, I mean, that is a fairly significant jump to make, uh, 9.8 to, you know, 13 range or even higher. But I do think he gets there if if he's locked in and makes the right improvements. I'm going over. Kaysen? I'm going to go over as well, and I think with – us, I think Phil's going to say over too, but I think us three going over, that means that you have three players on your team averaging 13 points a game. And if that is true, that is going to be very, very, very rare in college basketball. And I hope it's going to happen. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say over on Ezra and 13 and around three players averaging around 13, 14 a game is pretty crazy in college basketball. Phil. I think he definitely would have had more last year if he didn't hit that little slump. You know, Mike Schwartz liked to talk about the fact that he was a freshman and freshmen get tired towards the middle of conference season because they're used to having it the season be wrapped up. I don't think he hits that slump this year, and I think that's a big reason that he does go over. All right, let's get a break in, and we'll come back. We'll make some picks on the other side. Who will lead ECU in scoring, rebounding, three-pointers, all that sort of stuff. We'll talk about that on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors, a basketball edition on this Friday. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in. Friday, October 27th edition of Hoist the Colors. It is a basketball special, roundtable special. My voice... The struggle is real. Trying to make it through the week. Trying to make it to the weekend. Hopefully by Monday I'll be back somewhat to normal. Luckily I got Kaysen, Romaley, and Philip Pilkington helping us out in the studio. We're making our picks. Cameron on YouTube says, way to ruin my hype about this team, guys. I feel like we've been very positive. I I think I mean, we've been very been, positive. Have we been too. negative? Yeah, I mean, I, we're picking we're picking twenty plus wins. We got to be somewhat realistic. Uh, he says he feels like there's a good chance ECU could be undefeated going into the South Carolina game. I agree with that. Although I think George Mason is is before that, correct? Yeah, and uh, and Wilmington. Yeah, so I mean, those are your two toss-up games, I would say on paper. But uh, we'll see. All right, let's let's continue on with our picks. We can try to get all these in today on today's show. So we just said over unders. We're now doing picks. This first one is is kind of a random one, and uh, who will score ECU's first points of the season and how? Could be anybody, probably obviously a guy in the starting lineup, and uh, you know 
Could be somebody unexpected. Could be somebody that's very easy. I'm going to go Brandon Johnson three-pointer and uh, start there. Kaysen, what do you think? I'm going to go RJ Felton pull up three from about eight feet behind the line as the as the <laughs> shot clock expires. Man, he said Steph range. <laughs> that is very specific. Well, I go, you know, you if said... If the shot clock is... Go ahead. If the shot clock is about to expire against Ferrum, I'm worried. Hey, first game. First game jitters happens for everybody. Philip, what were you saying? Well, I was going to say, you know, you said you hope it's or it, it's probably somebody in the starting lineup. I sure as heck hope it is somebody in the starting lineup, yeah. and we do not have to make substitutions against freaking Ferrum <laughs> in order to get somebody to score. But I'm going to go with a uh, dunk by Ezra. That was my other, other guess as well. I am kind of worried, guys. Maybe they scheduled this Ferrum game because they knew, like, one of their players is going to be suspended for the opener or something. That That's just total – that's total, you know, just me like making stuff up, trying to figure out why they scheduled Ferrum. So hopefully nobody. I'm, I want to preface. Hopefully that's just me speculating. Nobody is missing the game. But I've just been around ECU sports too long to know that you show up to the season opener and somebody's on the bench in street clothes because they got to sit out the first game due to off the court reasons or off the field reasons. So hopefully that's not the case. That's a good point. Right, sorry to interrupt, but I'm, yeah. I've got to type everybody's stuff in, and I totally forgot to type y'all's in. You said three-pointer from BJ, right? I go. Yep. And then, Kaysen, you said yeah, three-pointer from three who? Three-pointer from BJ. RJ. Okay. Thank you. From from midcourt. Yes, from, uh, from, right. the, uh, from the from uh, the A in Carolina. Who will lead ECU in scoring this season? I mean, based on our answers earlier, probably a three-part – you know, three-answer proposition. Ezra, Brandon Johnson, R.J. Felton. This is tough. This is tough, guys. I I think I'm going to go Brandon Johnson. I'm on the Brandon Johnson bandwagon. Kaysen. So you have Brandon Johnson averaging around 16 points a game? Yeah. Respect. I think that R.J. is going to score the most because I think he's going to shoot the most shots by leaps and bounds. So I'm going to go R.J. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Phil, agree with that. I'm going RJ. He is going RJ as well. I'm I'm thinking Brandon. Brandon, if you're listening, take more shots this year, and that way I can be right. All right, who will lead ECU in rebounding? Brandon Johnson is what is my answer. Kaysen, do you think Ezra or anybody else can challenge him? Yeah, I'm going to go Ezra for the most rebounds because I think this year Brandon's wow. going to – I think that Ezra's going to a lot of offensive rebounds and Brandon won't get as many because he's going to be playing on the wing more. So I definitely think Ezra's going to get more rebounds. Yeah, I think Ezra's Phil. just going to adapt better to the college game. I thought he adapted solidly last year, but, you know, it's tough being a freshman, especially as a big man. I think he's ready. I think he showed us that at the end of the season, and uh, he's going to get some big boy rebounds this year. I'm going Ezra. Brandon Johnson last year, guys, averaged, what, eight, eight reba- 8.1 rebounds per game. That's a lot for Ezra to live up to, but he, he, he could be playing on the wing more. And that could, you know, bring his total down. How many did Ezra have in that last game versus uh, Houston? Wasn't it like 19? Uh, Yeah, he went 18 and 19. I can't remember which which was which. Yeah, we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more of that. Uh, Who will lead ECU in three-pointers made? Again, last year it was RJ because he took 195, I think. Brandon Johnson was second. Um. 
gosh. I, I think you. I think you have Johnson. to say Brandon if you want to say he's going to lead the team in scoring. Yeah. You have to say Brandon. You, 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 you honestly have he's, to. He, yeah, he's going to have to lead the team and score from three point range. That's that's his game. So I'm going Brandon Johnson. I'm being boring here, but I'm going Brandon Johnson. I think it's the Brandon Johnson year. Casey. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with RJ. I'm gonna, I say he's leading scoring. So and that's and that and that is his game. So RJ, it is. Phil, I th- I think um, RJ is gonna drive a lot more this year. We kind of talked about it in the first segment, and uh, I think Brandon takes a lot less threes, but I think he takes a lot of smart threes, and I think his, his shooting efficiency goes up, like I talked about earlier, and I think it has him lead a team that doesn't make a lot of threes in scoring. So give me BJ. Is there anybody else we're not mentioning that could step up from three point range, have a big year? I hopefully, mean, Quentin hopefully Quinn. Really well. Hopefully, Quinn. He would. He would kind of be the dark horse, right? If he actually plays. What about Faison? If he Faison plays get a shot? Yes, Faison is a really good shooter. He can shoot it. He can shoot it. And but it's just, it's just a, a matter of how much is he going to play? Yeah, and that, and not just that, also at confidence level. I mean, going from. 2A in Goldsboro to American Commerce is not the easiest jump. I think there's going to be some time, but I remember when I watched him play in high school, that's what that's what stood out to me. A player as big and athletic as him with the ability to shoot it from deep. And I mean, when I went to his high school game, this was a year ago, around today, I mean, he was pulling up from well beyond the arc, and it was not even touching the rim. So, I mean, he is a knockdown shooter. He's a sharp shooter. And I think he has the opportunity, but he needs to get on the floor. All right, who would lead ECU and block, block shots? ECU really didn't have a, a shot blocker last year. Brandon Johnson led ECU of 22. That was less than one per game. And uh, I think it'll be more of the same this year. I mean, you do add Sierra Malonga, and it's just a matter of how much is he going to play. So, I don't know. I mean, this is this is kind of a shot in the dark. I'm going to mix it up here, and I'm going to go Sierra. I think he'll play enough to block some shots. And I just – honestly, I think it's going to be Brandon, but I don't want to keep saying Brandon Johnson for every answer. So uh, uh, I'm going to go Sear. What do you think, Casey? I'm going to go Brandon Johnson. I think that his minutes are going to reflect that. I hope it's Sear. I hope he plays that much because I think he has a very high ceiling. But also, when I talked to Mark Adams on media day, he said that I asked him about the jump for Ezra on both sides of the ball, and he said that, they're really trying to get him to lock in defensively. Not that he's already locked in, but just with Mark Adams, you have that experience of coaching. And I think that if Schwartz and Adams can get him to take that next step defensively, I think Ezra can be an NBA player, with, especially with his size, length, and athleticism. I think that he has a chance too, but just like you said, I think Brandon Johnson with the minutes he's going to play is going to get it. Yeah, Ezra, last year we didn't see him block a lot of shots. Uh, Philip, who do you think? Oh, on media day, Sear went out of his way to tell me that he and Ezra have a competition as to see who can block more shots this year. So he's dedicated. He's ready to block some shots. I'm going Sear. Good stuff. I, I, I hope with Ezra's athleticism, if, like Kaysen said, if he actually embraces that, I think he could be a, a real shot blocker, even as kind of an undersized big. All right, who will, e- who will lead ECU in minutes played? Last year, R.J. Felton just edged Brandon Johnson. Seemed like he never came off the court. Ezra, by the end of the year, was playing a lot of minutes. Jaden Walker was playing a lot of minutes uh, because of the point guard injury. So those are kind of your favorites there as far as playing the most minutes. 
I'm going to go R.J. Felton. I just think he's a warrior and doesn't want to, want to come off the court. So I'm going R.J. Kaysen. I'm going to go R.J. as well. And I think because, just like you said, he's a warrior on the court. He eats up minutes and he uses those minutes well. And also, there's not much depth at his position as there is in the front court. I mean, you, you're bringing in the two freshman bigs that should, in my opinion, get a chance to get some run. And also... Look, Brandon Johnson last year, I mean, he's got a motor like I ain't never seen. I mean, I've watched college basketball for a long time, and the minutes he'd play as a big is just unheard of. I mean, there were a couple games last year where you would just look at him and be like, you know he's tired, and then he would just go down, block a shot. He would sprint down the floor, stand on the wing. RJ kicked him a three, three-pointer good. And I'm just like, man, this kid's got a motor. But I do think RJ is will get the most minutes because of the lack of depth at his position. Phil, let's make it a Queens clean sweep. I'm going RJ. <laughs> All right, I think that's the the heavy betting favorite. Couple more picks here, and then we're gonna break in. Who will start more games at point guard, Bobby Pettiford or Jaden Walker? And I think if Pettiford's healthy, and it, from what we hear, he is back practicing now. I think if Pettiford was fully healthy, he would be the clear answer here. But he's got an injury history. We know they may want to be careful with him. And so uh, who do you guys think starts more at point guard as the season goes along by the end of the year? We'll start with uh, with Kaysen. I think Jaden Pettiford or Jaden Walker. I think Jaden Walker will start at the end of the at the at the end of the year when we're adding up games. I think Jaden Walker will start more games at point guard. And that hurts me to say because I like Bobby a lot. He's been a major addition to this program. But I think his injury history might hurt him. And I just, man, I want him to play so bad. I'm a big Bobby Pettiford guy, but I think Jaden Walker will start more games at point guard. And also, I talked to him on media day, and he said he's comfortable with that. I asked him, I said, I said, are you comfortable playing point guard? And he goes, yes, I'm comfortable playing point guard. At first, it was hard for me. But then once I got into it and watched, and he made a major point of saying, once Schwartz trusted me that I could do it, that gave me a new load of confidence to do it. And this staff has trusted him to play point guard, so I definitely think you're going to see him playing it this year as well. Uh, I'm going Jaden Walker, too. I, I'm, I'm encouraged that, that Pettiford is back practicing now, but anytime I hear hamstring, I get worried that it kind of lingers. He had some problems at Kansas with that, so I think he's going to be kind of in and out. Hopefully not. Hopefully he's able to play the whole year. But I'm going to go Walker, and I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for ECU. Uh, Philip. Yeah, I would like to answer here, Pettiford, but uh, Case and I were talking about during the last break, it's like until Bobby proves to us that he can stay healthy, it's hard for us to believe that he can stay healthy. So I'm going Jaden. All right, final pick here. Who plays more off the bench, Caleb LeCount or Valentino Pinedo? Here's the deal with these two guys. Kind of more – you know, you look at their roles on the team. They're probably like more third or fourth in line at their respective positions. They are returning scholarship guys. And so how much does Caleb play at point guard? How much does Val play in the post? Who plays more off the bench throughout the year? Uh, I'm going to start it off here. I will say I think due to the issues we just talked about with uh, Pettiford, I think we'll see a little bit more of Caleb account. I think we'll see more Val than last year, but I think we'll see more account overall. And he will contribute more. Kaysen. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I think Val will get more minutes off the bench. And also, 
me and Steven have experienced it all offseason. They think Val is the greatest thing They've since been sliced bread. Val, man. I mean, they think he is amazing. And and also, he he is a true, in the best way, he is a true role player. And, and he knows his role on this team is to play defense, rebound, and just be a distributor. And I think that with his motor and every coach we've talked to, me and Steven, they've all said he is an amazing motor. He's the one of the hardest workers on the team. And... I think I have book it right now. I think he's the first off the bench versus Farum. Book it right now. Write it down. I'm booking it. I'm writing it down. There you go. You heard it here first. That's that's his Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week right there. Uh, I'm going to go Val as well. I think when you play a physical brand of basketball like this team does, you get banged up a little more on the inside. You need guys to get more blows. So um, I'm going to go Val. Bunch of non Caleb LeCount believers. That's all right. Wait, wait till, uh, wait till Ferrum. He's gonna drop twenty on them. I hope y'all so. Be, uh, y'all be eating your words. All right, let's get our final or uh, our second break in. I should say. We'll come back. We got some yes or no questions to answer on the other side for ECU basketball. You're listening to a Friday edition of Hoist the Colors as we try to make it to the weekend. We'll be right back. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Game. Welcome back into a Friday, October 27th edition of HGC Basketball Edition. Ten days out from tip-off, East Carolina. Set to open his season. If you're just tuned in, you're like, what happened to Steven Igo and his voice? I've been sick all week. I'm actually feeling better, but I don't sound like it. And uh, my voice is not getting any better, but we are trying to make it through the show. We've got Case and Romaley. And we've got Philip Pilkington back in the studio. They are in the safe zone at the IBX Media Studios. I'm at the house in the home studio. All right. We've uh, done some things here with our picks. Let's try to get through these yes or no questions concerning ECU basketball. ECU picked to finish fifth in the American in the preseason poll. Yes or no, Kaysen, will ECU finish fifth or higher in the American Athletic Conference by the end of the year? Yes. I think so. I think it goes Memphis first, FAU, Tulane, and then those next two spots up for the taken between, in my opinion, UAB and us. So we all kind of have 10 wins or more for ECU. I think they definitely need that to get in that fifth spot or higher, and then it kind of depends on what the standings breakdown is after that. Uh, I I don't know. I think I'm going to go sixth. Yeah, as I almost lost my voice completely there. I think I'm going to go sixth, so I'm going to go lower. Philip, what do you think? Yeah, I'm feeling the sixth to seventh range. Like I said, I do think they finished above 500, but there's such a just a pool of teams right there that's going to finish between fourth and about ninth. So uh, I think I said a better chance of getting this one right if I go lower than than higher. So uh, that's why I'm doing it. It's not really great analysis, but I'm hedging my bets. Got to do it like I do with you and Joey football on you know, normal Fridays. Here to win it, baby. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I can't wait to review our football preseason picks. All right, will Cam Hayes play for ECU this season? We're not allowed to write about it, apparently. Uh, as I was told uh, to take down an article me and Kaysen worked on that Kaysen wrote. But uh, I guess we can talk about it, Kaysen. Will Cam Hayes play for ECU this season? My answer is no. 
I, I don't know at this point, but I'm not expecting the waiver to be passed. Uh, how about you? No. Philip. Yeah, but we saw how hard it was for Tez Walker to play, and he didn't even practice at one of those places. And um, the one of his two previous spots. So I think the fact that Cam actually played, no way. It would be awesome to see it. Uh, I would I would love to be proven wrong by the NCAA. But, uh, you know, maybe there's some sort of extenuating circumstances we don't know about that, that can allow the waiver to be approved. But we're 10 days away, still don't know at this point. I would expect him not to play. Will ECU get revenge and beat UNCW at home this season? Kaysen and I went to Wilmington last year for the game. It was not pretty. ECU almost didn't make a three-pointer the entire game. And it was a it was a bad showing. I expect ECU to respond this year, and I expect them to beat UNCW at home. I'm going yes. Kaysen. I do not have them beating the Seahawks of Wilmington. I think that I just – just a gut feeling, nothing else to say right now. I need to do my research on Wilmington. I will once the game gets closer. But from what I've heard from a couple people, that they have returned most of that team, even though we have two. But, I mean, me and you were both there last year, and it was just not pretty at all. Philip, Pirate fans always get up when UNCW comes into the building, and uh, I think we feed off the energy and give me the win. I think the home team usually plays well in this series, and I think ECU gets it done. Will the Pirates defeat FAU or Memphis? Only one shot at both this season. They go to Boca in the first conference game, and then they host Memphis towards the end of the year. Uh, we will start. Let's start with Phillip here. Phillip, do you think ECU can beat the top two preseason teams in the league, or at least one of them? Can they? Yes. Will they? I, I don't think so. I think if you had four games, maybe you win one of them, but not with only two games. Kaysen? I think FAU is a no. I mean, I want it bad, but that's their first home conference game. They're going to be juiced up. I think that place will be juiced up. But I do think right now, Memphis here, Menji's packed out. I think they will beat Memphis. I think all the stuff surrounding Memphis, I think just hunch here, just something's going to happen in the midseason, and I think they might go on a little decline, and I think the Pirates catch them sleeping. I mean, look, the last time the last time they, they came to Minji's, we had no shot of beating them. We did. And I think with the environment like it was versus Houston and also that Memphis game, when big-time programs come here, the fans show out, even though they should show out every game. But I think that they do – catch Memphis sleeping and beat them at home. That's the I mean they're not going to win at FAU realistically. <clears throat> so they got to win against Memphis. I'm going to say no. I, I respect the pick, Kaysen. Uh the odds say no. And so Philip and I are taking the safe lame way out here. We're t- we're saying no, but I respect your uh I respect your pick. Will an ECU freshman be a regular starter by the end of the season? Kazen. I think the best shot is Sear, and I think that I don't think I, I take that back. I'm going to say no, but I think that in situations last year, we saw that lineup with Luigi where they would go the th- where they would go the three bigs. I think the best shot of Sear being a regular starter is that if, but straight off just of a matchup standpoint, like for example, I think that when we play FAU, who has that big seven footer 
at the uh, five, and then those other two hybrid forward, small forwards at three and four. I think versus FAU, Sear, Sear will start, and I think versus other matchups, yes, but DeCorey, no, I don't think we'll start this season. I kind of have a feeling DeCorey Faison has a chance <clears throat> to start by the end of the year. I'm going to go no, though. I think they end up using Quentin. I think Quentin has a breakout year more at the wing, so I'm going to go no. Uh, Phillip. I would love to see Brandon start at the three, Ezra at the four, and Sear at the five. And to, you know, to Kaysen's point, I think it happens some, but not consistently enough for the way the question is worded for me to say yes. All right, a couple more picks here. We'll go rapid fire because we got to get a final break in. Will ECU have a first team all conference player at the end of the season? Kaysen. I think if you've, I think if where we're predicting to finish, yes. And I think it will be Brandon Johnson, to be honest with you. I'm going Brandon Johnson as well. Uh, I picked him to lead everything. So I'm going Brandon Johnson, first team. Phillip. I'm going to go no. I think we have a couple second team guys, no first team. Will ECU make the NCAA or NIT? I'm going to say no. Kaysen. N. IT is calling our name. We will be there with a 21 and 10 record. Book it right now. Write it down. We will be there. Head to the garden, baby. Final four. Uh, Philip. Uh, I'm going to have no. The committee for the NIT has done a much better job of putting in teams that are, you know, from low bid majors that won the conference regular season and didn't win the conference tournament with 30 wins over, you know, the fifth and sixth place team out of the big, big majors. So I'm going to go now. All right, we got to get this break in. We'll come back and wrap up the show. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Okay, welcome back in. We only got about a minute left in the program. KJ Keats, NC State basketball player, is in the comments section. For those that missed last week's show, Kaysen Romaley is boys with several members of the NC State basketball team. Grew up with them. KJ says, UNCW by 10-plus, great take, Kaysen. Kaysen was the one who predicted a Seahawk win over the Pirates and Mingies. Kaysen, I'm giving you the chance. It had nothing to, to do. That it had nothing back. to do with his influence. I'm doing it based on me and you being there, sitting courtside, watching that happen, which was very bad. KJ, and it was not UNC Wilmington's a good team, but they're not that much better than ECU. And the Pirates will prove it this year in Minji's. It was good to sit courtside that day as well, Casey, right, and not up in the rafters, not up in, not up in the fun, the best section in college basketball, section two thirteen. But it's all right. To, 213 Crow's Nest. Hey, as long as the Pirates are playing good ball, we'll uh, we'll enjoy the view. Whatever. All right, Kaysen, appreciate the time today, man. Thanks for helping me get through this hour. It's been fun. Basketball season 10 days away. That's right, brother. Philip, thanks as always. Great work behind the scenes. Thanks again for filling in Wednesday. And uh, hopefully by Monday, I will be able to talk normally. If not, We'll continue to grind through this thing, man. You got to find a way to play hurt. You do. You do. You've been doing it's a heck just, of a job of it this week. <laughs> Stay ready so you don't have to you get ready. <laughs> That's right. I'm trying. My voice may give out any second. So we're going to sign off now. Thanks for all the comments, guys. Thanks for the watching. We will see you next week on Monday's show.
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 the game.